It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Welcome to Friday night. It is Cartoon Carne, still here in quarantine. I'm James Van Ostel. And I mentioned this earlier this week, but Cartoon Carne, this here podcast, uh, very proud to be in a partnership with the Brent Sopel Foundation. Brent Sopel, Stanley Cup winner, all around good dude. Now, Brent Sopel, who's been on the show before, you may know he suffers from dyslexia, has for years, and he didn't realize what it was uh, until later in life. And he started this foundation to help people, especially kids struggling with dyslexia and adults who are dealing with it. He's helping raise awareness. He's helping people live with this. And so Carcon Carne with the Brent Sopel Foundation uh, will be starting a series of interviews done right here on Carcon Carne and on the Brent Sopel Foundation's page with big name celebrities, musicians, actors, uh, athletes, people who've wrestled with their own dyslexia issues through the years that's going to start up next week i can't tell you more right now but i promise you this is going to be amazing uh and inspiring too so that really excited to be involved with everyone at the brent Supple foundation that aside carcon carne is here tonight i've said it before i'm going to say it again i'll say it till i'm blue in the face craft breweries are the indie rock of beer i love supporting uh, our local city and suburban craft breweries and tonight I am joined by Cesar Marin, the head brewer, and Sean Decker. Uh, one of the, they're both managing partners. Sean Decker of Sketchbook Brewing. You know them in Evanston. You know them in Skokie. Gentlemen, welcome to Friday night. Nice to see you both. Good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah. Good evening. Here's the thing about Sean's setup. His setup looks much more like a podcast studio than my setup. <laughs> I feel like you should be hosting. You Actually, do you mind hosting? If it, it would be it would be true if podcasts actually used modular analog synthesizers, but they generally don't. So, you know, you probably have a better mic setup than I do. You know, well, I'm let's just, just agree yeah. that podcasts should use them moving <laughs> there forward. You go. Yeah, right. it, would, it would be an improvement, I'm sure. So Sketchbook Brewing, 4901 Main Street in Skokie, 821 Chicago Avenue in Evanston. Let's start. Let's talk about the business you opened six years ago. Six years ago, exactly. Tell me right around, right around uh, it, it was six years ago in November. So take me back. Tell me about opening the business, deciding we're going to plant our flag in this industry. We're going to do our thing. We are going to be sketchbook brewing. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a lot in there, including uh, actually um, you reminded me taken way back. Skokie was one of the places that I visited uh, the, the economic development when I wanted to take um uh, you know, wanted to start a brewery somewhere thinking only like, you know, 1500 square feet was enough. Just take it out of the garage. I just, just want to do this. Um, you know, my, my passion, at least at the time was making, sharing what I made with other people. It was not, it wasn't for me to drink, you know, it was good enough if, if I could drink it, but I couldn't drink all of it. And I remember talking to Sean at the, at the, at the home brew club and said like, can we, it's hard to find a small space because at the time, Skokie said, like, no, we have 30,000 square feet spaces for you, million dollars a year. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about a garage, you know? Yeah, they, they thought that was a small space, yeah. Right, right. And I remember <laughs> talking with Sean at the, the our Evanston Homebrew Club back then. It's like, can we just figure out how to do this in our garage? And and then we landed at a place in Evanston, which was actually like like we talked a little bit earlier before you started. Um, 
there may be some radioactivity there at the time from a, from a physics physicist lab. Uh, it was it was we had no idea what it was. It looked like a bunker, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't. And uh, we just said we'll take it because that was as close to a dirty garage as we could get. They and aren't, aren't those all, all the best? local breweries and distillers aren't aren't those places that were just transformed from nothing into something really awesome and cool Pretty much. I mean, that, that's what yeah. we as visitors and, and consumers and customers love about these spaces yeah that place actually did we joke about the radiation but it was a it was a, a, a small kind of uh you know research um you know cooperative with a bunch of different researchers in there but the main the main people who had previously occupied our space were people who were doing uh, levitation of matter using uh, low frequency sound and lasers. Yeah. And so they had these gigantic, like huge amounts of power in this thing. And, and it was like, I guess they literally had these lasers, things that were like, you know, levitating part particles of matter and things like that. Um, and before then, though, it had been actually was a garage. It was a Toyota garage or a Toyota repair garage. So it, it, it kind of was a garage that we moved into in the end. But I, I think didn't know any of this. So you've got like the Manhattan Project. In it the, was in the like the Manhattan before. Project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And for but, people who are listening after the fact, they, they couldn't actually see. I think my jaw was hanging, hanging down <laughs> as you're telling that once you start saying things like levitating matter. Yeah. And that's know. a whole different conversation. Yeah. They're, they're still across the hall from the, us over there doing sonic levitation. Actually, that's kind of the that's the, the, the thing they're working on now using kind of extreme i guess extremely low frequencies i'm not sure low, or high, low frequency, yeah exactly. i think it's extremely low to, to 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 basically um levitate very small you know quantities of material for um for material studies so you can basically get it out of contact with anything but itself you know so i, I just made a mental note to book those guys for the next podcast yeah they would be yeah. pretty interesting to tell you the truth yeah and he's a big fan of sketchbook believe it or not oh, they were so, yeah. yeah we we all are sean decker <laughs> Managing partner of Sketchbook <laughs> Brewing. So, all right. So you st you found that space. You found the space uh, that you were looking for. Yeah. And then. But what's funny, I, I think, just to kind of kind of follow up with what says started there was, I think both of us were kind of imagining a brew system because we're both home brewers. You know, we've been brewing in our in our garage and basement, and we've been brewing in fifteen gallon batches. And I think we were both kind of imagining equipment of sort of the size you could probably wrap your hands around, or at least both of us could, you know. Uh, and we were imagining, like says, says, mostly just kind of sharing this with our community, mm -hmm. uh, much more than kind of starting a brewery, you know, with a capital B. And uh, and so when we found this space, which was definitely bigger than our garages, this is a, I don't know, a 2,000 square foot space, you know, so it's not entirely small. And uh, we, we kind of invested in uh, enough equipment that uh, it was actually a, was a real small commercial brewery, which is pretty new for us. So, And what, what year was this? 2014. So this is as the, the climate, the craft brewing climate is just exploding. It, or it this, kind of had exploded. We, we, yeah. we caught it just before the end of the explosion, I would say. So, I mean, certainly highly competitive market when you decided to yeah absolutely walk in and so when you walk into a situation like that there's got to be part of you that says well this may not work this is a, this is a very busy industry to, to jump into can we do it were there moments of self-doubt there were yeah i mean oh, there, yeah. There, were, there were people that you you actually mentioned earlier that even looked at me and says like you you guys are all smart. Why are you doing this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said that to ourselves a few times. 
but you, but you did it, it. This is I. This is why I love these stories. This is why I love talking to craft brewers. It's it's your passion. You found a way to make your passion into your business. That's it. That that's that's the inspiration. That I mean, that's the proverbial American dream, as I understand it. But you know, um, James, there's, there's kind of an interesting thing about the way we did this. I mean, there's a couple of ways to start a brewery. One is to go out and get a bunch of capital together and a bunch of money and a bunch of investors, and you know, and kind of start big and basically have deep enough pockets that you can kind of build your business up and do it that way. The way we started though was was the opposite. We basically got some family members and some friends to loan us enough money with, for a small stake you know, in the company uh, to kind of bootstrap this thing. And we started pretty small with a lot of community involvement with a members thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But basically when we first started, you know, we didn't have much capital at all. And we started insanely small. I mean, everyone called us a nano brewery, but I think that was probably actually bigger than the mark. You know, we were right. so small. I mean, we were tiny when we first started. All right. So let's talk about the community. Let's talk about, I mean, this is, I mean, for those of us who live in the digital space, we see Kickstarter, we see Patreon, we see crowdfunding and community supported efforts all the time. This is a brick and mortar manifestation of that. Right. Cause it has to be right. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about something that is, you know, in, in the end it's still manufacturing, whether you're doing 30 gallons, two barrels, 10 barrels in a, in a thousand square feet or 15,000, it still has to follow the same, you know, the same ins and outs of, of a manufacturing facility. Um, but, but back to the community part of it, I mean, like Sean was saying, um, the, the beginnings of it was like, you know, if it wasn't, in, if, if we had to involve our group of home brewers that were tight to us, still are, and the community around it, um, both from a survival, obviously, like, you know, because if we know they're, 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 they're here, they want us here, then we ha- already have a, a community that will come and buy our beer. And then the, the Kickstarter came in like that. And one of, the, one of the great things about the Kickstarter not only worked, it wasn't, it wasn't without like, you know, a cringe, like we were like, is this going to work? Are we going to get funding or is this going to be the, we didn't get it. Let's not even start this, but we did get it uh, when we did the first round and we got 250 customers basically, right? 250 people at the time. I remember that number. That's that a lot. Said, That's a lot. Here, yeah. here is money for you to start this. I want it. And I will be there when you open. Yeah. So that was a huge boost of confidence to say yeah. like, oh, great. You know, now what? Now we need to make yeah. product for these people. The other thing is with that Kickstarter, I remember we hit our goal. I think it was just slightly more than 24 hours into yeah. the Kickstarter. Uh, we hit our goal and had to expand it. So, I mean, that was a, another kind of vote of confidence for us. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, jumping way ahead, jumping to the present day, you have your core beers your core offerings you have seasonal things you have seasonal things happening right now you've got a january special release of the four that are available right now how many of those were there from the beginning and if they were there in the beginning how much has the recipe changed since then so we we had uh so we did have a few of those uh but only two actually three really from the get-go the uh, orange door was not uh was not around until the I don't yeah, know that the was pretty early. It was our twelfth recipe. That's the number I know, because because here, here's here's how we also were we're very naive about all this, right? We're like you know we want to make we want we want to kind of create this space for people to come in. It's it's a it's kind of like back in the 1800s where every village had their bakery, their butcher, and their brewery. Um, so 
I remember thinking like, why do we need to make an IPA? There's a bunch of good IPAs out there. Well, people would come around and say like, you don't have an IPA, they'll go out and, and leave. So we did one, uh, but it wasn't right away. So that wasn't the beer that we had. I still have a picture of the, the initial board uh, or, you know, chalkboard. It didn't have orange door in it uh, because it wasn't one of the first ones. It wasn't until people asked for it. Uh, but it was it was right around like you know I would say it was it was it was a few months in though it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that far in. But Snow Yowl, uh, no parking, Orange Door, uh, those those three are part of our four you know core beers now. Uh, we uh, had one called Frogtown Pale Ale, which we haven't done in quite a while now. Right. But that that neighborhood in Evanston used to be called Frogtown. That's why that that beer. I had no idea. Yeah. And some of these, some of these recipes morphed into what we have today, which is like amistoso. You know, like some of it came from something like Frogtown, a lighter. In fact, beer. if you if you see my shirt here, James. Yeah, there uh-huh. you go. Okay, we were going <laughs> to name ourselves Frogtown um, until it, we our our search turned up a brewery in Los Angeles that was named Frogtown. That's where this shirt is from. I went last time I was in LA and I looked him up. Two kids from Schaumburg. Would you, would you believe it? Really? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I know, right? Now, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a really it. nice brewery in in the Highland section of Los Angeles, so it's <laughs> very nice. Yeah. You mentioned Amistoso. That's your lager. That's that's yeah, a that's good... lager. You know, so I mean that that was much newer. So we 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 I think we started that about two two and a half years ago. Um, you know, we I mean what, one of the things that uh, you know when people ask what you know. What, what is it that Sketchbook does that other breweries don't do? And, and, there, and there isn't. I mean, I, this is not an easy answer because it's, you know, there's a lot of great breweries out there. There are IPA breweries. There are hazy and pastry, you know, hazy boys and pastry or pastry boys and, you know, whatever. It's <laughs> you know, out there. Um, we like from the beginning, we like to kind of go through the whole spectrum for ourselves, for, for our own sake and make beers, classic styles, classic styles with a, with a twitch, with, with something special about them. Um, and uh, and we still like to run the gamut uh, of like you know presenting uh, our customers with 18, 16 plus different beers out there, from you know German Schwarz beers to English bitters to you know things that people don't can't even pronounce, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and we have to educate them, and it becomes harder and harder as as we are we get bigger and bigger, right? Um, because now every time we produce, we're talking about a twenty barrel, not just a you know three four barrel beer that that can go to the tap room. Um, so we've we've always had a lot of a lot of different things, uh, um, you know, in our in our portfolio. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, back in the days of our Evanston homebrew, um, there were plenty of home brewers who, you know, their mo was, you know, to make really crazy beers, you know. So it's Christmas time and you make a beer with peppermint and mistletoe in it or something, you know. I mean, or it's like you, you know, you make a beer that has sausage in it or bacon or you know, I, things I, like I would, that. I would drink those. I, I get the yeah, joke, okay, well, just yeah. Like, uh, but that wasn't so much says as in my kind of take on this. We were both really <laughs> interested in learning how to brew classic styles. And we would kind of both of us rip through lots of kind of famous traditional styles. And I think that was reflected in a lot in our initial sketchbook offerings, for sure. And you did not see a lot of crazy beers. You saw kind of a lot of fairly straightforward, you know, uh, traditional historic styles. And I would say, I think it's fair to say, says that that still kind of, you know, is, uh, yeah. defines us to, to a, a great degree about our choices. We'll occasionally do something it's a bit off the beaten path, but we really like our kind of tradition, yeah. traditional beers. I still remember, um, well, you know, we we knew what we could and couldn't do when we started the brewery in Evanston. And one of the things we knew we couldn't do was to serve a glass of beer to, to anyone because we were in the alley. 
uh, we were not given a license to 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 have a, we didn't have space e either like thinking of it now at the time was like why can't we do that but now now we know so much more You're like yeah right you know it would be just yeah. trouble oh, to have four people yeah, got with it. yeah yeah um so you know we we've always and we still do we've all, we always have our our community you know our customers ourselves uh our product uh, in mind and uh you know selling we, we could only sell beers and growlers so the idea of making say for example you know a 12 percent barley wine that would cost you 30 dollars a growler you take it home you drink half well if you could drink half of it and then <laughs> that beer in two days is not good anymore right it, it was just uh, from the get-go like no yeah. why, why do we do that i mean obviously the times have changed and now we can can product that we can you know mm -hmm. um and then on top of that thinking of products that will actually as we started packaging products that would would go on the shelf and then and, and, and then be good on the shelf for two three months like it should be uh so we're always thinking about that as well as you know yeah you you mentioned the the need the perceived need to to have a strong ipa offering where do you think things are going now where do you think taste is wow. heading in 2021 like what's hmm. where, where, I, where's the beer I've market been, going i've been i've been actually reading quite a bit about that you know the new stuff that's coming out it's not decisive um it's almost all over the place. Everyone you ask is going to say something a little different. Um, and I feel like a lot of it is towards like, you know, you're talking to two people here that like, you know, um, for lack of a better word, classic styles, but like, you know, like Pilsners and, and then IPAs that are not crazy. So we would probably tend to say those things. Um, people that are into pastry stouts would probably say like, oh yeah, that's going to continue to fly. Um, hazy IPAs, but the reality is just it's 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 the drinkers you know the drinkers are gonna the new i always i always believe that the the people that are becoming of age to drink and the people that are getting more disposable income to drink is going to dictate what is going to be the next you know yeah. whatever you know like whether it's a log, loggers are, are, are picking up quite a bit um it was mentioned by uh uh by the, the the brewer association, how loggers have took, taken a lot of um, you know craft loggers, not mm -hmm. your Budweiser stuff like that, but craft loggers have been have been uh, growing a lot, uh, as well as as uh, heavily fruited sours, more expensive beers to make, mm -hmm. uh, but attracting different people. Right? So attracting people that maybe wouldn't drink beer, uh, that are now coming into into you know the heavy fruited sours wouldn't be necessarily what Sean and I seek all the time, but it's new drinkers. So it really, it's really hard to say where it's headed, but I, I think I think IPAs are going to continue, uh, you know, the and mainly because the there's so much money uh, and, and and research being put into hop production uh, that that sometimes actually gears uh, uh, turns the gears into how brewers make their beers. You know, I just talked to a hop, uh, you know, a guy who works for Hopsteiner yesterday. And he was showing me all these different products that they're coming up with that you can like you know spike your beer. It, they're all real you know hop products, and and this new new hop over here that's experimental hop there, and and that's kind of like you know kind of the new in the market. Uh, sometimes the you know, I believe the hops um, the hop industry actually has a huge pull, gravitational pull on, on what beers you're going to see out there, which is going to be IPAs. <laughs> Cesar, people listening or watching you talk right now are probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. You have the coolest gig. <laughs> it's good to be you. <laughs> it's so, it's it's sure. really hard work making beer. You have to understand. <laughs> of course, of course, of yeah. course. But all right, let's go back to to the growth and the 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 um, history of Sketchbook for a little bit. So, 
we I mean we're still kind of at the beginning of your of your story. You're in Evanston for or let's let's jump ahead. When did you realize you were able to expand as you did last year? So we should we should kind of jump back okay. to our, our beginning and kind of talk do do the quick tour through um, because the beginning kind of was was really important in this particular route. So, you know, when we first started, as Ces was saying, we were not able to serve beer in a glass. We had a business that was on an alley, only the second one ever in Evanston. You can imagine how that created all kinds of problems. And in addition, it was kind of, you know, it was a little speakeasy where where we were making beer back there. And you know, and this is in the former head of the the, the the women's temperance union. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that was also a challenge. And um, so when we first started, we basically could only we couldn't put beer in a glass other than two ounce tasters so people could taste it. We had to serve, as as was saying, only growlers to go. That's all we could sell. We were basically running this two or three nights a week not paying anyone says and i weren't be, were being paid we were still had our other jobs um okay. and and we had 150 members in a thing called a community supported brewery membership and that's the key thing because that really drove our growth for quite a long time and what that was was people would buy six months or 12 months of growler fills once a month one or two a month uh, they would prepay at the beginning there. They most of them had never even tasted our beer. They had no idea what our beer tasted like. We would run four taps in the back of the brewery. We ourselves were back there filling those growlers and people would kind of stumble down this alley, find the orange door in the back there, go through the loading dock with the flickering fluorescent lights, you know, and turn the corner and boom, they were in the kitchen, you know, and here were the guys making the beer talking about it, selling it, and it became a, a space, you know, it became a neighborhood space, a community space. That was really special. And that basically kept expanding and expanding and expanding till at some point when, when we would be back there, it was a destination. It was no longer for members picking up things. It was people coming back there and nursing their, their two ounce pours to taste what beer they wanted to take home and hanging out for half an hour, an hour, you know, um, and at that point, we needed a tap room, right? So that was kind of when we just very luckily got the tap room space at the front of the building. In getting a tap room, we now needed a lot more beer. And that's the point at which we then expanded our first expansion of brewery equipment was at that point. Yeah. yeah. And so that was kind of, it was organic. You know, we, we essentially kind of responded to our community in a lot of ways. And when the community got big enough, uh, that's when we made the first move, essentially, to that tap room. Which, which then we expanded just along with the move to Skokie. So, I love that. And so you expanded to Skokie, this lovely uh, space uh, on like by Main and Gross Point in Skokie. That happened. That was completed last year, last July or August. Um, we opened the tap room August thirty first. We okay. started brewing there. What was it? Two months before then. Said, June, I think June June sixth was our first. Yeah. Time. Yeah. You have to understand all the months blur together. So July, August, September, they're the same month in 2020. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have no sense of time or calendars anymore. We, we, we feel the same. So, I, I mean, no secret, last year was a dumpster fire full of challenges. Yeah. Opening this space, getting it off the ground during the pandemic, how challenging was that? And after it was done, how, how hard did you exhale? 
Well, it's not completely done yet, <laughs> for one thing, because we haven't had to completely finish the taproom because we haven't even been allowed to use the taproom, basically, you know, not really. I mean, we've had some people in there, but not really. So, you know, we're, we still have some work that we're waiting on until we actually need to get it done. But um, the funny thing about all this uh, is coming to my mind now is that, you know, Sean was mentioning 2014, we opened with just, you know, three tanks of beer to, to brew beer in barely any beer in there for our 150 members quickly you know within a year and a half or so we find out like oh the space is going to open up we need a tap room that makes sense but we open the tap room and then the tap room is too small from the beginning you know from the get-go we scrammed to find more space yeah, and then we, we outgrew that tap room in two yeah. weeks yeah yeah it was a 27 yeah, I mean. person you know uh, <laughs> 27 23 seats actually yeah uh, so then, then we realized like you know after we find the space here in skokie you know we're like we're gonna do, we're gonna do this the right way right and i've heard this before we were going to do it the right way get get the right you know the right funding get the right get get people to look for a space for us get a broker you know hire lawyers and all this and then we're going to build it open it and start but then the pandemic hits yeah so and that process we're still then processing it yeah that process that says is talking about of everything from the initial financial projections to getting the money to 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 finding the space to building the space to you know getting all of the city approval was almost two years worth of work yeah and so we're at a year and a half with all of our money paid down on the equipment which you have to have custom made for you and a, a a lease that's been in effect for several months already uh and that was March when this thing hit. So we, we got caught kind of with our pants down, basically, you know, I mean, literally like right, right at the worst possible time where there was no way to back out. There was no way to change our plans. You know, uh, I'm, very, stressed, I'm stressed out listening to the story. Yeah, just it was thinking tough. about it. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, you know, um, the, the, the various government bailout loans really helped us, you know, Good. we were able to take it, uh, advantage of quite a bit of that. And they, they literally probably saved our business, you know, yeah. literally. So, um, well, talking about community, I mean, obviously, Evanston to me has a very definable community and certainly the, the community that came out and supported sketchbook from the get go. That's a community. What's the experience been? And obviously it's a weird experience because of the pandemic. You've got the outdoor dining or outdoor seating pretty much exclusively. What's been your experience as far as creating community at the Skokie location? Been? We, ha- we haven't been able to come to offer that up completely yet right because because of the reasons you said you know open here's the brewery people were like peeking on the window when the tap room when, when my dad and i were building the bar um and uh you know knocking and you know sh- thumbs up and uh, <laughs> and then and then of course we can't open it and then we are able to open a little bit and then we have to shut down and then we're able to open the patio and then we have to shut down so so we really don't i i i don't feel comfortable saying like we we know what the community will be yet but we know the potential and those times that we opened, uh, when we expanded the patio a little bit and did a, a little bit of a an Oktoberfest, you know, I couldn't call it Oktoberfest really. We had a beer Oktoberfest and we had a patio, but we couldn't fill it up. Uh, but we did in, in the midst of the pandemic with the proper spacing and, 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 and all that. Um, and we saw a lot of people from Evanston, not only that day, but other days too. A lot of people, a lot of new faces. Um, and so that just keeps, I mean, it keeps giving me a lot of that hope that, you know, we have a large community here too, more spread out, but um, Evanston is not that far. And we already heard from many people that it's easier to get here. Not everyone, but like, you know, the Skevinston people, it's mm-hmm. easier for them to get yeah. here than it is in the other spot. So I think we're like super well situated where we got the, the lake. You are. 
the lake, the lakeshore people, like closer to the lake, uh, and then and then everybody else. Um, well, and you're pretty much equidistant from the two yellow line stops. You're probably a ten minute walk either yeah. direction from both the yellow lines. Absolutely, yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy to get from. Yeah. So people from the city, if they want to, okay, I'm just going to hop on the red line and then yellow line it over to Sketchbook, right. or they can drive there if they're designated and they have friends who want to hang out and yeah. whatever. And if they just want, in the current climate, I just want to go grab a four pack. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 funny though, James, because you know right now, I mean, in in Evanston, we have so many regulars. Um, our bartenders over there know by name, so many people over there, you know, from several years worth of mm -hmm. doing things. We have music events there. We have, we had all of these things where we just get to know scores of people. And in Skokie, you know, right now, the entire time we've been open, the entire, you know, rule of thumb has been to distance ourselves from all of our customers as much as we possibly can yeah. and to hide ourselves from our customers and vice versa. And so it's, it's really gone slowly about, sure. you know, kind of, kind of getting community. Uh, it, one of the kind of strange things that happened was, um, you know, uh, Real Sound Studio is across the street there on Main Street, Mark Bruner's studio. I don't know if you know Mark at all, but he's- I don't know. I, I know the studio. Yeah. He's kind of a famous engineer, uh, went went by Mouse, was his nickname. And he was one of our biggest fans in that neighborhood and all of his friends too. And he recently passed away suddenly from a heart attack. Uh, and, you know, and so we, we, we held a couple of events for, for his friends and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, as they came to, back to the recording studio. But he was probably one of the biggest sort of people in our neighborhood that we had met at that point. And then he passed away, like in the middle of all this from, from non-COVID related things. But um, so it was kind of a, that was kind of a weird kind of thing, yeah. too. So, you know. Well, it's um, kind of a weird, weird and interesting stretch with all this potential. I, I had Jay Ryan. Uh, the bird machine on my show a few months ago, the guy who's done so many very familiar gig posters, concert posters. He's done mm -hmm. a lot of the, the artwork you see actually. Who's also right down the street on main that's street. What I'm saying. Us, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Th this yeah. little stretch. I mean, I, I feel he's, like this, he's, he's kind of famous. Yeah. He, he's yeah. uncomfortably talented to it's just <laughs> the stuff he does. So, I mean, I, I guess, in the current climate, I mean, when I, when I've gone by there and seen the lights on in the patio and people hanging out safe and socially distanced, I mean, you look at that scenario and you think, oh yeah, when things settle down, that's going to be my place. That's going to be the place. I think it's all foundational right now. Yeah. And in the next few months, just keep it moving forward. And then it's just yeah. going to be bananas. We are so excited about the unfolding that is bound to happen here at some points maybe this summer, you know, sometime this summer, late summer, early summer, whatever. We are so excited about that. So we're talking already about kind of expanding our patio and the outside seating because we know that's been so popular. Once again, we're kind of responding to people's, what people are saying that, that they really want. And we can see, you know, how popular it is already. And um, starting to do music, all of these things we're really excited about getting going, you know, at that space. Uh, we want to we want to just host a lot of community things. You know, that's kind of what we want to do. So, so to, to, for start a starter beer for Sketchbook, if someone wanted to just try something, if you want to bring in the general public, would it be no parking? Would it be Amistosa? What would it be the the good like oh, those gate, two, those two gateway are, beer? Yeah, those two are great gateway beers. You know, easygoing, not not hop on their face, bitter uh, bombs. Uh, no parking, definitely got good hop presence to it but a pale ale in that sort in that sense amistosa is actually 
now that you mentioned, is actually Skokie's favorite, um, if I may say that, you know, because we sell that here oh. more than we sell uh, others. Uh, not, you know, Orange Door is still the highest selling one, but Amistosa is right there, which is which is very good for a, a you know a, a huge number for for a non IPA beer. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say Orange, Orange Door is a, a one can experience for a lot of us. I'm stopping at one. I, I can have a couple no parkings. You got you got to try a little harder. Well, I don't know. I, I could see having a couple of orange doors. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites for sure. You know, one thing right, we, might mention, we might mention yeah, is a great, a great beer for people to try right now is we have our 150 Saison that's on tap in, in both breweries, but it's on tap in, in Skokie. And that was a collaboration which says can kind of talk a bit more about with Lanzatech, which is one of the companies there in the, in this, in the Skokie high tech park just south of us. Yeah. Um, and okay. so that was really that was a, a really great community thing for us was to was to collaborate with those guys who are it's a fantastic company, that company and the yeah. things they do. They're literally kind of game changing in the energy sector, potentially. Um, it's it's one of the kind of coolest things in the world, as far as I'm concerned. But maybe so it's, is that might, somewhere is that somewhere in between you guys and the Superdog Warehouse somewhere perched in between? If, there? If you walk down that walking trail to our west down towards Oakton. It's in that major tech building. It's right okay. there. Yeah. It's just yeah. south. It's just south of the just south of us, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't know about it until I you know, started walking back and forth. I was like, what? They have a, have a warehouse right here. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. the, it, it's the technology. What do they call it? The technology. The, the Illinois Tech, tech Center. Illinois Center. Technology Center or whatever so it is there. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're, if you're uh, you know, at the yellow line uh, on. Uh, I guess Cyril. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, uh, Crafted Beaver is right there. So between mm-hmm. there and here. They're right in the middle, basically. Got it. Uh, and they so, are. So the collaboration. So yeah, the yeah. collaboration was, uh, you know, I mean, it was. We, I guess, long story short, uh, you know, we met those guys, some of them, uh, uh, before we opened here uh, last year in their uh, year before last like now, yeah, 2019, um, in their uh, holiday, one of their holiday parties. Uh, it was actually we, we were judging a beer, a homebrew contest that they were having. Where, where the, the, those yeah. guys are all homebrewers. Skokie, Skokie invited us to go <laughs> and, and we said, sure, we'll bring some beer. So we bring like five cases of beer because we knew there was going to be a lot of people there. And then when we get there, it, it, there were a bunch of them were homebrewers and, and, and the mayor of Skokie was there and they invited us to help him judge and pick uh, the winner. Awesome. So we kind of felt, I mean, we felt humbled uh, and also like, no, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to get in the middle of this. But they were all super happy that we're there. Um, it turns out that we found we we. we just looking on the crowd, there were actually several of those people that actually were neighbors in Evanston, <laughs> and, Evanston. and already members of our brewery. Already members. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you know, you guys. And then uh, as soon as we open here, I mean, there were regulars, uh, you know, for as long as we could have people here in, in the tap room uh, when we were open. So long story short, again, you know, they approached uh, us here and said, like, hey, you know, we would like to to do a collaboration with you guys. You know, we're, they were basically um, uh, they had just. They were just shy of, of completing a, a 150 a, a huge milestone, which was 150 days of continuous fermentation. So that's what's interesting. They are another company in Skokie that does fermentation, although you can't consume it, but they ferment uh, CO2 and other uh, you, know, uh, 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 you know trash gases out there uh, from large large uh, companies um, and produce ethanol uh, out of that fermentation. So it's essentially a culture of bacteria. Uh, that is able to consume uh, you know, gases instead of throwing it out in the atmosphere and producing you know fuel out of it. 
Um, so, so when I say like a, a game changer in the industry, in the energy industry, you know, like literally a disruptor kind of thing, right. these guys are taking, you know, um, waste products and turning them into jet fuel. Right. Yeah. That's heroic. That's really cool. I mean, that's in, in it's an insane kind of, you know, process that they're working with. So they like thought, fermentation. You know, yeah. They, you know, they thought that this was like, you know, just right up their alley because, um, you know, they, they, what they really wanted to do is throw a huge party to all their people, but they couldn't do that with, with, with the pandemic. So instead, they came here, brewed the beer with us, came up with the recipe together, brewed the beer, and then took 100 cases and distributed among their, their employees. All right, that's the coolest. That's and, a cool. And, 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 I, and, and you can come to the tap room and get a growler or a howler of that Saison for yourself. So right. that's, that's awesome. Now, yeah. one thing I, I, I've enjoyed so far in our brief time together, Sean and Cesar, Listening to Cesar, I mean, because he is the head brewer, there's a certain way which head brewers describe that head brewers use to describe their beers. There's that passion. Like, if I were to describe a beer or anything, it, it would fall flat. But because you're the dude working on these recipes, because you're the dude brewing it, I, I enjoy listening to you talk about this stuff. It's almost it's almost erotic the way you, you roll through ingredients and presentation. <laughs> so I, let's yes, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, says take that shirt off. It's Friday night, <laughs> so maybe this is so, Art. Tell us about night game. Night game. Oh, well, <laughs> well, that if you have a couple of those cans, you know, then yeah, then, that'll that, <laughs> that'll be a nighty night beer for sure. Yeah, a couple of cans of that. Yeah, is, is that the January beer? Uh, so that so this year we're 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 um, we have a first time we're starting with a with a more you know stricter calendar because our production is 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 a is a lot larger than it used to be. It's not a huge production space, but it's a lot larger than it used to be. So um, yes, so basically you know we have our four year rounds: uh, uh, Orange Door, Insufficient Clearance, uh, No Parking, and Amistosa. And then uh, a Night Game is basically like part of our specialty beers. So we're gonna have Night Game. Uh, January, February, and then we're going to have uh, Hop Thirsty Void, which is a double hazy uh, for the next two months. And then, you know, so basically we're going to have night game in two quarters of the year. Now, for, for those of you guys listening, um, we already had a couple people that freaked out when they saw that calendar. It's like, wait a minute, you know, I love Snowy Owl. Are you telling me that we're only going to have that once a year? The tap room is going to have those beers most of the time, if not all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why we invested on having 26 taps in Evanston, 20 taps in, in Skokie. Um, but for distribution, where we're putting 60 barrels in a tank, uh, we needed to ensure that those beers are, are always fresh and they hit the market when the market is ready for it, mm -hmm. that we're going to do that. You know, like, yeah, so Night Game is, is now uh, until basically the beginning of March, and then Hop Thirsty Void hits April, May. And Snowy, Snowy Owl, was, you said that was one of the beers you launched with, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was one of the first ones. It was there. actually an old homebrew recipe of mine. So I'm a bird watcher also. So anything that's named for a bird, generally speaking, is probably yeah. had its source in my basement at some point. So <laughs> that's amazing. But All particularly, right, so partic particularly Snowy Owl. No parking was kind of a vestige of one of those. But no, Snowy Owl would definitely be the one that's probably retained, you know, like at least reasonably close to my original oh, yeah. recipe. A lot of them have definitely changed over the time. But um so you it, know, it, one thing though, yeah, we should go back to Night Game really quickly though, because there is a, a one little bit of the story about that name, which you know, despite Cesar's taking a shirt off over there, uh, which it doesn't really have to, anything to do with that, which is that um, we made this beer, which was an eight point eight percent 
you know, ABV beer, a strong beer. And, and, and because of the, the, the hopping was pretty strong on it too, we ended up with 88 IBUs worth of hops. And obviously once we saw that those numbers were close, so the recipe got tweaked in order to do that. We, we had no idea though, until I think it was maybe, was it um, Amy who is uh, says his partner's father or uncle or somebody says to us, well, you know that um, August 8th, 1988 was the first night game at Wrigley Field. That's crazy that that all and came so, together. And so we named it Night Game, basically, based on that. So that was kind of what Night Game comes from, is, was, was the right. first night game at Wrigley Field. Kind of, kind of speak to our, 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 our you know, no matter, no matter what, it, it may not be, you know, moving sacks of grain or, or brewing five barrels, five gallons of, of beer at a time to fill a barrel. Uh, but uh, the community is still very involved. I mean, it's still in the yeah. naming of the beers. And that was, that's a great example. I mean, I, I basically, yeah. we, I, you know, I, I'm from Brazil originally, you know, baseball was not something I even grew up with. So I had no idea about this. So, you know, in creating the beer, that wasn't the beginning of it. We created a, just, we created a, an easy drinking double IPA that wasn't too sweet. You know, in fact, it's actually lighter. It, it feels lighter to, to, to your mouthfeel than, than orange door does, which is kind of dangerous. <laughs> that may be dangerous, I should say. Um, but, uh, uh, so when you know, it was just kind of like a little bit like, well, yeah, let's 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 make those numbers look really cool, like eight point eight percent, eighty eight. Right, exactly. Yeah, we had no idea why why we were doing it at the time. Yeah, and then I bring some <laughs> of that. Uh, I mean, I don't think we even had the beer yet. Uh, it was in the tanks. I bring that over, that, bring that up uh, in uh, our, you know my my wife's uh, family um, Christmas party, whenever that was, seventeen maybe sixteen, seventeen. Probably. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And, her dad, uh, her dad, my, my, my father-in-law just says like, you know, actually, no, it wasn't him. It was, it was, um, her uncle Dave who loves night Dave. Game. Okay. Um, he said, you know, your father-in-law just said you should name this night game. And I'm like, okay. Like, and he's like, you don't know why I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm from Brazil. No, I don't <laughs> no, know. <dude. laughs> Isn't that funny? But, but, it, but I think it, it kind of says something about us still, which is that, you know, we don't do market research on names. We don't like, you know, go out and kind of, uh, you know, have panels and things like that review them where our names are mostly kind of crowdsourced and they come from our community and things I like that. that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you guys are awesome. And I think it really, you know, pandemic be damned. It is onward and upward for yeah, sketchbook. Absolutely. 821 Chicago Avenue in Evanston, 4901 Main Street in Skokie. Uh, guys, thank you so much for spending Friday night with us. Absolutely. Yeah. We love what you're doing. We look forward to seeing you in the tap room. So Hell sitting yes. down with a beer. Yeah.